Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Yang makes the September and October debates, Booker makes it too, a few specifics about tonight's debate, Steyer buys ads during tonight's debate, Democrats in the House are doing great on fundraising, but there's a staff shakeup at the DCCC, Gizmodo cancels its climate summit, and last call for debate bingo. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Late on Monday, entrepreneur Andrew Yang announced that he had reached the DNC's polling threshold for the third and fourth debates in September and October. He had already reached the fundraising threshold, so that means he's in. In the tweet announcing the milestone, he wrote, quote, That's 2% in our fourth qualifying national poll, linked to Quinnipiac poll. Fall debates, here we come. Thank you, hashtag Yang Gang, for making it happen. Smiley emoji, thumbs up emoji, boxing glove emoji. End quote. That means our current list of candidates for the debates after tonight and tomorrow are Biden, Booker, more on him in a moment, Buttigieg, Harris, O'Rourke, Sanders, Warren, and Yang. That is eight. It also makes Yang eligible for that CNN climate change forum I mentioned yesterday. If you're following along at home, you might notice that Yang is the first and so far only candidate who has never held a political office to make it to this milestone. Everybody else on the list I just read is either a former or sitting senator, House representative, mayor, or vice president. I've seen some people on Twitter asking why it's important that Yang got 2% in four polls, plus some donors and stuff. The simple answer is because you've got a pile of people in this race, including sitting senators, House representatives, governors, a millionaire, a billionaire, all of whom haven't gotten it done. But Yang just did. Yang is a businessman and author who started this campaign 631 days ago and has steadily grown grassroots support since then. He is both more popular and has a bigger donor base than more than half of this field, many of whom are seasoned politicians. That is what is a big deal. Now, here's part of a video clip he retweeted from an appearance last night on CNN's Out Front with Aaron Burnett. Listen in. Out Front now, Democratic candidate for president, Andrew Yang. And I appreciate uh, your being with me. Nice to see you in person, Mr. Yang. So today you announced you've qualified for the third debate. Okay. Yes, very exciting. And, and, you know, yours may not be a name that has full household recognition, but you have a very loyal, loyal uh, following, online following. You got to get up in the polls, though, with kind of that mass recognition. So how are you preparing for this debate to do that? Well, we're thrilled with the opportunity. I actually spent much of the last 10 years working here in Detroit. My organization helped create hundreds of jobs. And Detroit is the ground zero for the automation of so many manufacturing jobs over the last number of years. So we're going to use this debate as an opportunity to call out the economic transformation we're in the midst of and then propose real solutions like a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month, which would be a game changer for the families here in Detroit and really across the country. And, and you have laid out, and, and I know obviously, so here's the thing. Last time, right, you didn't get a ton of talk time, but whatever reason that may be. What are you going to do differently this time so that you get out there and make that mess and, and make your point? Well, the, the, great, uh, the great thing, and you just said it, we're now one of the eight campaigns to qualify for the debates, not just this week, but also in September and October. So we have 
a real great opportunity, not just this week, but throughout the coming weeks to make this case to the American people. We're in a fortunate position where we're not in desperation mode, where many of the campaigns are in a bit of a Hail Mary situation. I think they're going to just you know, lob a bomb just because. Yeah, and that's one of the unfortunate dynamics that we're in the midst of, where it tends to degenerate into uh, rehearsed attack lines because you're in a situation where you feel like your back's against the wall. And that's not where uh, our campaign is, which makes me very, very happy and glad. And that's it right there. As I mentioned at the end of Monday's show, you have a bunch of campaigns who see tonight and tomorrow as possibly the end of the line. So the Hail Mary factor is there for them, and it may be their only option. But Yang has the relative security of at least three more debate appearances locked in, so he can afford to choose how he wants to play this. He can attack, he can talk policy, he can do a lot of stuff. Burnett is right that he does still have work to do in getting his overall polls up and his overall national recognition up, but simply getting to September and October is a massive achievement that may help him in that polling department, and it is particularly impressive for a first-time candidate. And next up, oh, by the way, Senator Cory Booker just made those same debates, too, and he actually did it right before Yang did. Booker made the announcement on Monday morning in a statement to CNN, followed up by a tweet. In Booker's case, he already had the polling, but just brought in the necessary donors. We definitely saw this one coming because Booker announced on Thursday last week that he needed just about 5,000 more donors. Here's the brief audio from his tweet about that. Listen in. Hey, everybody, it's Cory Booker. We are 5,000 donors away from being on the debate stage in September. Thank you for all your help in getting us there. Please stay with us. Give another dollar or two if you can. I know we can make this by Monday. So he did get those donors over the weekend and presumably waited for Monday to make the news cycle. Well, that's what I would do anyway. For what it's worth, neither Booker nor Yang will appear in tonight's debate. CNN's The Claw, I mean The Draw, selected them for Wednesday, so it'll be hard for anybody tonight to celebrate those milestones on stage, plus it is debatable whether it's even worth mentioning on stage anyway. At the moment, my guess for the next candidate to qualify would be Senator Amy Klobuchar, who has met the polling requirement but does not yet have the donors. She will be on stage tonight, so if she does well, she might see those donors rolling in tomorrow. The Election Ride Home is sponsored by a fantastic podcast called The Meb Faber Show. The Wall Street Journal named it one of the top five investing podcasts you should not miss. If you're looking to learn from the brightest minds in finance, or you just want to know more about investing in a casual, fun interview format, this show is a must-listen. It's hosted by Meb Faber, who is CEO of Cambria Investments and an award-winning ETF manager. The goal of his show is to help you grow and preserve your wealth by giving you new investing insights and ideas. So check out The Meb Faber Show wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Meb, M-E-B, Faber, F-A-B-E-R. You don't want to miss it. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Okay, as you may have heard, tonight is the first night of CNN's July debate. I just want to give you a few points to watch for and reiterate the best ways to actually view the show. First up, who is on stage? Well, from left to right, it is Williamson, Ryan, Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Sanders, Warren, O'Rourke, Hickenlooper, Delaney, and Bullock. If you hadn't noticed, there are no candidates of color on tonight's bill. That's just how CNN's The Draw happened to work, and it does mean that tomorrow's debate will feature a dramatically more diverse crowd. Okay, so I had a detailed segment yesterday on how to watch the debate. Long story short, you have to watch it on actual CNN, whether that's on cable or some other service you have, or through the CNN apps or CNN website, which will turn free tonight and tomorrow just for this occasion. Now, I tested that just now in the hope that those streams had become free early, and they have not, but we have faith in you, CNN. Sort of. Now, as for what will happen, well, there is a very nice article in New York Magazine today by Gabriel Debedinetti, linked to that in the show notes, titled, Nine New Dynamics Campaigns Are Expecting in the Second Democratic Debates. Reading from the article, quote, This week's debates are almost certainly the last chance for about half the field to not just make waves, but to remain viable at all in the fall. The challenge isn't just that attention is increasingly centered on five top-tier candidates, but that the nominating process's structure makes breaking through almost impossible after Wednesday. The next debate in September will be significantly harder for candidates to reach, thanks to the Democratic National Committee's rules. And that means candidates will be desperate to do something, anything, to be taken seriously by enough voters and donors to stay afloat both financially and politically. That applies particularly to Steve Bullock, who will be on stage for the first time, and John Hickenlooper, who replaced much of his senior campaign team after the last debate, and who will be eager to show off a new side of himself. And everyone from Tulsi Gabbard to Marianne Williamson to John Delaney will be clamoring for scraps of attention, too, between the expected headliner clashes. End quote. While some of the conflict may be relegated to the second night when a certain candidate named Biden will actually be on stage, this article posits a series of ideas that make total sense. Link in the show notes, you should go read it. The core theme relevant to tonight can be summed up as expect conflict. Expect to see fire and fury and all manner of mixing it up. The one major exception to that may be Sanders and Warren, who will stand together in the middle and have remained mostly friendly throughout this campaign. But I would expect the moderate candidates to go right after those two as the sort of Bidens of tonight. To me, a huge question for tonight is whether the candidates will figure out a way to go after the people who are not on stage, mainly Biden and Harris. For instance, in an email last night, Sanders went after Harris's Medicare for All plan, and I wonder whether he will bring that up tonight, given that she is not there to respond. Sanders is also pretty ticked at Biden on the healthcare front, too, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Although he won't be present at the debates tonight or tomorrow, billionaire candidate Tom Steyer will do the next best thing. He is running TV ads. According to a Florida politics report, Steyer has spent half a million dollars to run a 30-second ad during the debates. In the ad, Steyer compares his record to that of Donald Trump in business and suggests that Steyer would make a superior president. I'm not going to play a clip here because, well, it's an ad, and also, you're going to see the ad tonight anyway, so go look at that if you want. 
But that's not all. In addition to his candidate ads, Steyer has a group called Need to Impeach, which you might have guessed is in favor of impeachment proceedings against the president. That group has also bought an ad that will air both before and after the debates. That ad cuts together testimony from Robert Mueller's appearance in Congress last week and runs about 30 seconds. It will run on both CNN and MSNBC, and Politico estimates it cost in the, quote, mid-six figures, end quote, which I take to mean, I guess, yet another half a million bucks. So does that mean that Tom Steyer is spending a million dollars tonight and tomorrow on TV ads? Well, probably. And I'm willing to bet that's more than anybody else in this race is willing to spend on a two-night ad buy, certainly at this early stage of the race. So this whole Steyer thing is interesting in part because it gets at a question. Can a billionaire buy his way into the Democratic race? And so far, the answer seems to be probably yes. Although Steyer announced super late, he already has 2% support in two polls, plus 1% in two more, and he is blanketing the universe with his ads. He's got deep pockets and seems totally willing to open them. Now, let me just say, yeah, he has a platform, he is a real candidate, he's not just a guy with money who wants to show up, but still, the money really, really helps. Now, there is a certain irony in a billionaire needing to get 130,000 people to give him $1 so that he may go on stage in the next set of debates. But to be frank, if anybody in this primary field has the financial resources to do that, it is Tom Steyer. In my anecdotal experience, I have seen a ton of Steyer ads on Facebook directed at me. Now, to be fair, I also see essentially everybody else who's running because I'm sure my browsing history has me pegged as, I don't know, somebody who is interested in the primary for some reason. But it has been notable to see Steyer go from totally non-existent on my political radar prior to July 8th when he announced to being all up in my ads on July 30th. That's intense, and he is going at it hard. We shall see whether his debate ads move the needle any further. On Monday evening, Gizmodo canceled the climate summit that I first reported on back on July 16th. Now, that's the event where co-sponsor The New Republic ran an article about Mayor Pete Buttigieg and then pulled the article after accusations of homophobia, then pulled out of the event entirely, while most of the other co-sponsors ran for the hills and never came back. Well, after spending a few weeks seeking more co-sponsors, Gizmodo has called it quits. In an article posted late on Monday, the event's original organizer, Eric Kahn, wrote, quote, Throughout the whole process of planning our event, there was one overarching intention to get Democratic candidates on stage talking about climate change and their plans to address it. On Friday, MSNBC and CNN announced they would host separate climate events with the Democratic presidential candidates, each broadcast on their respective networks, prior to the date we intended to hold our summit. And so with that in mind, we are no longer moving forward with our climate summit. End quote. So that's that, and I will keep you posted on the other two climate forums that appear to indeed be happening and will be televised. Here's a quick one, and yes, we are expanding out just a touch from presidential politics here as we slowly ease into a season of elections that include Congress. In an AP News story by Alan Fram, we learn that Democrats in the House are fundraising in a way that makes their odds in the upcoming election look pretty great. There was much concern after the 2018 midterms about whether that wave could be sustained. Well, reading from the article, quote, 
Each of the 62 freshman House Democrats has raised more money than their top opponent. The same is true for all 31 Democrats from districts President Donald Trump had won in 2016 and for all 39 Democrats who snatched Republican-held seats last November. In nearly all cases, it's not even close. While there's overlap among the categories, most of these Democrats' war chests are multiples of what their leading challengers have garnered. That's testament to the historic ability of both parties' incumbents to attract contributions and Democrats' strategy of aggressively collecting money quickly to seize on the anti-Trump enthusiasm that fueled their House takeover last year. End quote. Now, there is much more to this article, and there's a link to it in the show notes as always, but the takeaway here is the House is looking good for Democrats in 2020, but the Senate? Uh, that's a real problem. That's likely going to be just as hotly contested as the presidency, if not more so. But on the right side, we've still got a real long time before anybody actually votes, so we've got time to dig into specific races that will really matter. Okay, this next one is short as well because it's fairly deep in the weeds of how the Democratic Party works, but you need to know about this just in case it comes up either in the debates or around the water cooler at work. Long story short, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, or DCCC, has just lost a bunch of key staff. They have resigned in protest over a lack of diversity within the committee. Among those who left were the communications director, the political director, the diversity director, the executive director, and a top communications aide. Now, those positions are being temporarily backfilled until permanent replacements can be found, but there is a ton of pressure on current DCCC chair Sherry Bustos of Illinois. Reading from an article in The Hill by Al Weaver and Julia Manchester, quote, More than anything, Democrats believe the party's campaign apparatus needs an infusion of know-how at the highest levels. As one external source put it, they need some adults in there. End quote. Yikes. Well, we will get more into what the DCCC actually does in the coming months, but for now, just be aware that it's not all one big happy family within the Democratic Party. And last up today, you've heard me talk about debate bingo. Well, this is your last chance. Go to ridehome.info slash bingo and grab those PDFs, print them out, and get your bingo on. Tonight, I will be tweeting on both the at Chris Higgins account for my personal thoughts and the at election podcast account for official rulings, just like in the June debates. Now, by official rulings, I mean if some candidate says something that's close to what's on the card, that is the account to watch for what HQ, meaning me, thinks about whether it counts toward the bingo square. One other thing that came out of June is that I highly encourage house rules, meaning if within your household you come up with a decision or a new set of rules, just go for it, own it, and please feel free to share those rules and decisions with everybody else if you think it's helpful. Now, how do you do that? Well, the hashtag ERHBingo is the place to be on Twitter if you would like to follow along. You can search for that hashtag, and that search thing will keep updating as new stuff comes in. I do love seeing photos of people's game boards and their pets, especially when you get really high point totals. 
So no pressure, but I'd love to chat with y'all tonight and see how it goes. Now on my end, I am also glad to be joined by my wife Rochelle, who was out of town last time and playing bingo in a hotel room on a work trip. Tonight, she'll be part of Debate HQ, which should help me catch some of the stuff that I miss when debate squares are filled in and I'm trying to type on two laptops at once. So teamwork, here we come. Well, that is it for more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter at Chris Higgins. All right, after this episode posts, I am officially setting up Debate HQ yet again with a couple of laptops and trying to figure out how the CNN app on my TV actually works. So I am entering debate mode, powering up the thrusters, and I will see y'all on the other side. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tonight on Twitter and tomorrow on this show. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.